This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. A double dose of personal finance Wednesday. When should you take Social Security? Should you wait or should you take it right away? Also, as you're investing ahead of retirement, do you use a Roth IRA or 401k or traditional? Which is best for you? Amazon's effort to spur sales in June, a huge success with its Prime Day. We'll take a deep dive on that in our next segment. Right now, the report on sales of new single-family homes is out today. Robert Dye is joining us, chief economist at Comerica Bank, based in Dallas. Bob, thanks so much for being here. So kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of this report. Well, well, Cisco, this was a continuation of the slide in both new and existing home sales that we've seen this year. This is a really strange market. If there's one thing that we can say with with uh, complete confidence about this economy is it's very strange. And, and there's so much stimulus in the system and and so much reaction to on-again and an off-again COVID-related policy and supply chain strains that you've been reporting on. And now we see a housing market where normally we'd expect it to be improving, but it's actually starting to slide backwards. And so, I mean, going forward, I, I guess we just is a sort of a wait-and-see approach to see how the next few months go? I hate that as an economist, but I think that's where we are. And I think the safe forecast right now is for a flat housing market. And we're going to have to see if we get any renewed momentum because the economy is picking up or we get more pullback because prices have gone up so much. And that that COVID related shift in demand may be largely spent out at this point. How much do we have to pay attention to just the seasons, the timing? Because uh, ordinarily, it, it seems like housing is cyclical, with especially when you're talking about existing home sales. Well, it certainly is. But the data that we're talking about is seasonally adjusted. Now, that said, this is going to be a very strange fall season because it's it's returning to office. It's getting the kids back in school. And so the normal seasonal adjustment factors may be off this this fall. We've been hearing about the the raw materials kind of coming back to earth, not not as expensive as they have been. Uh, is there a chance that that ends up changing things because you can have builders actually bring prices down a little bit? Well, yes, we have seen lumber prices coming back in a lot from their astronomical peaks just a, a few months ago. That will help the affordability issue. But I still think there, there are a lot of people that are priced out of this market. When you see prices up 14% in the Case-Shiller data, you look at the uh, existing home numbers, uh, those prices are up like 23 24%. So uh, it is a very, very tight market still and pricing people out. 
Uh, so as far as people who are looking to buy homes, it's then difficult if you don't have to buy right now. It's difficult to go, okay, do I do it now or do I wait a while? You just don't know. Well, yes, and I think that compounds with the whole back-to-work thing because we, we know that companies are, are coming back. We know school systems are starting to open up, but that that may vary on an individual basis. And so I think there is a good amount of uncertainty out there with respect to how quickly everything normalizes for the average household. Thanks so much, Robert Dye, Chief Economist at Comerica Bank. Coming up, the numbers are in for Amazon Prime Day. Pretty staggering numbers. Amazon hit a home run with its latest Prime Day event. Joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line, Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors. He used to be vice chairman at Target, chairman and CEO of Toys R Us. Uh, Jerry, uh, this is looking pretty good for Amazon here at a time when they ordinarily wouldn't run one of these promotions. Well, it sure does. What's amazing is they're able to just pick a day, a random day in the middle of the summer, which normally would be a a low low point for retail sales, and make it one of the biggest shopping days of the year. And no one else on the planet can accomplish that. It's almost like they can take, you know, June 21st and they turn it into Black Friday. And they offer deals, obviously, but what's fascinating, as you mentioned, is the fact that it's, it's not like people necessarily need these items. They just say, hey, I want to take advantage of the deal. Well, there are a lot of great deals, and honestly, many of them are at low prices. I know I bought some things myself. You just got to be careful and pick the right right deals and make sure they really are a deal. And meanwhile, every other big retailer looks at what Amazon's doing. And I remember being on the other, uh, you know, the other side of this, and you go, you can't just give them all that by themselves. So you copy them. So before long, you know, Walmart's got deal days, Target's got deal days, Best Buy's got deal days. They all have competitive events. Amazon, and suddenly this day in the middle of the summer is massive for everyone, not just for Amazon. And in fact, the growth rate was probably higher at some of these other folks who aren't as big as Amazon on the web than it was even at Amazon itself. In that sense, do the other the other big retailers? They're they're obviously competitors with Amazon, but they're they're probably not too bothered by this because it ends up being a big boost for them too. Absolutely not. I think they think it's like it's like a Christmas present in June. It's like Christmas in June for the big retailers. Be able to get this kind of sales in a you know in the middle of of a nowhere period for retail sales back to school as you know doesn't start until well into July near the end of the month so this is normally a time Father's Day is over when nothing would be going on and that's how I, why Amazon picked it but they were able to get this huge spike there for everyone but make no mistake about it the big winner is Amazon five of the top selling the five top selling items on Prime Day were Amazon items uh, and Amazon still controls. 40 to 50% of e-commerce uh, retail sales. If you, know, if you take the top 10 e-commerce retailers in the U.S., Amazon's obviously number one. The bottom nine after Amazon are all smaller, even if you take them in aggregate, than Amazon alone. Yeah, it's really huge. Uh, how much of this is uh, you know, Amazon saying, hey, let, let's boost sales in the summer, versus saying this is very unique here because you're coming out of this pandemic, you're reopening. There's a lot of people who have money and haven't been able to spend it, maybe a, a, a little more expendable income. Well, obviously, this is playing into excellent times for retailers as a whole. As I've said, said several times, all boats are rising in this environment. Every retailer is going to look great. It won't be until next year when there's any kind of a hangover. Right now, uh, you know, most consumers have a lot of money, and they're spending it on all kinds of things. So it's a perfect time. Uh, Amazon historically has done prime days in July. They moved a little bit forward, maybe to coincide with the beginning of the pandemic. Maybe it's just 
You know, they didn't want to get too close to the holidays. Last year, they did it in October because they were kind of forced to wait for the pandemic to, to, be, to at least uh, be understood better. And uh, that may have eaten a little bit in the holiday sales. Is Amazon, you, you mentioned their, their obvious size, are, are they uniquely able to do something like this? I mean, if Walmart just decided to do two days of big sales, would it have the same sort of impact industry-wide? You know, I think it would. It'd be, I think there's a few players, uh, uh, Walmart being the most obvious one. Walmart is still larger than Amazon in aggregate, though most of their business takes place in the stores still. You know, Walmart online in the U.S. is probably the latest uh, studies I've seen, 60 to $70 billion, whereas Amazon's like 380 to $400 billion online. But Walmart's so big in the stores. I think if they had a huge event, most of the competitors would fall in line and follow them. But, uh, but uh, you know, they, they, they try to feature everyday low prices at Walmart. That's their strategy so that people go there anytime and don't expect a sale in order to have to shop to say, oh, that price is the bottom of the barrel. So it's kind of against their strategy to do that. They could do it if they wanted to, but I don't think they want to because I don't think it's their strategy. Whereas Amazon, they love doing this, and, it, and they get all their – believe me, everyone else is contributing. They're not paying for all these discounts. All these big brand vendors who participate, you look at it on the list – you know, PepsiCo, I saw, was very heavy in this. Uh, you know, com- you know, the television manufacturers, everyone, they're paying for these discounts, not Amazon. You know, and so, uh, so uh, it works for uh, it works just a hunky dory for Amazon. Thanks so much, Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors. Just ahead, Tesla faces some new competition. Buy, sell, listen. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. California-based Lucid Motors is planning to build an electric luxury vehicle. It will go up against Tesla. Let's find out more from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv, based in Detroit. John, it's always good to have you on the show. So what is Lucid Motors doing? Yeah, very interesting company here, Cisco. As you just pointed out, they're based in California. They're one of these other startups, one of the many electric car startups they're coming to a market, uh, coming to market with a, a luxury car called the Lucid Air. It starts at about seventy-seven thousand dollars for the base model. That does not include any EV tax credits. It goes up to about one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. They're going to make them just outside of Phoenix, Arizona, and but that's assuming, of course, they get enough chips to make them. Because as you know, there's a chip shortage going on in the auto industry. And is this, uh, you know, really a place where there's a significant market here, not just for the all-electric vehicle, but the luxury end of the spectrum? You know, that's going to be a great question to see how this pans out. Once you get over $100,000 for the price of a car, there's not a big market for it. And so, you know, for anything priced over there, they're not going to sell in very high volume. Even when you get down to the seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 range, you start to limit it. And then there's going to be a bunch of competition. I mean, Tesla's in there. All the traditional automakers are going to be coming out with luxury cars that are electric that will compete in this area. It's it's going to be a bloodbath from a, a marketing standpoint. And moving forward, yeah, the, the bloodbath, I mean, that'll just continue. Competition just keeps heating up here as you have more and more manufacturers, whether they're on the luxury end or the other end, saying they're going all electric. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, one of the reasons why these companies all concentrate on the luxury end is, as you know, the batteries in electric cars are very expensive. That pushes the price up. But if you go into the expensive car area, you can charge a lot of money and still be able to make a profit on it, or at least that's the theory. And that's why you're seeing a number of these cars that are starting out, you know, electric cars starting out are coming from uh, luxury makers. 
Thanks so much, John McElroy, automotive industry analyst. You can find him at autoline.tv. Still ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday, the price you'll pay for taking Social Security benefits sooner rather than later. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The U.S. Supreme Court releases its decision in a case centered around a teenage girl's use of social media. The White House is backing a national effort to slow the flow of illegal guns into U.S. cities. Personal Finance Wednesday, the advantages of waiting as long as possible to collect Social Security benefits. Also on the financial front, a new study challenges conventional thinking about the Roth IRA. WBBM Business, the Dow down 13, NASDAQ is up 35, and the S&P is up 4 points. Oil is up a half a percent. We have some light rain falling, scattered rain in Chicagoland, 64 degrees right now, heading up to a high of 78 degrees. America's highest court has issued a ruling in a closely watched free speech case. The Supreme Court has ruled in favor of Pennsylvania teenager Brandy Levy. She sued after a profane social media post got her banished from her high school cheerleading squad. Me and my friend posted a Snapchat. It said F school, F cheer, F softball, F everything. I was really upset at a lot of things. In an 8-1 to vote, the justice Justices ruled the school district violated the girls' free speech rights. The justices declined to endorse a lower court decision that the First Amendment free speech guarantee prohibits public schools from regulating off-campus speech. Jim Crisula, CBS News. President Biden lays out his administration's strategy for combating an increase in violent crime in America's cities. CBS's Stephen Portnoy. As he focuses on gun violence, the president will announce a new move to strip firearms dealers of their federal licenses for single violations of the law. He'll note how billions in COVID relief funds already approved by Congress can be used by police departments. Mr. Biden's broader proposals on guns, namely a restoration of the 1994 semi-automatic weapons ban that expired 10 years later, aren't likely to survive a GOP filibuster in the Senate. The Justice Department's forming special strike teams to work in large cities, including Chicago. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed, but no real movement today. The Dow down 12. NASDAQ up 38, and the S&P is up 5 points. Let's see what's going on. David Brady is here, president of Brady Investment Council in Normal. David, always appreciate your analysis. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? It's just a quiet day. You know, they're like you just said, the markets are mostly mixed. Uh, the Dow is the, is the laggard with the other indices higher. Um, uh, the consumer discretionary sector appears to be leading the way, which is you know, good. The consumer-driven economy. Um, uh, energy has given up some of its early gains, and utilities are down today. There's no big uh, value growth difference today. Maybe value slight gets the slight edge, and um, small-cap stocks are... Uh, looks like they're taking a lead over large cap stocks today. When it comes to uh, some of the recent volatility, I, I think people get a little scared. Is that why a week like or a day like today is important? Kind of gives people a breather to check things over. Well, you know, volatility is part of investing in Cisco, and it's just it, it just comes with the with the business uh, volatility, especially in the quiet season, say right in front of uh, reporting earnings. Companies really can't talk about the fundamentals, which ultimately ultimately is what drives stock prices. So you get whipped around by, you know, Fed policy news and uh, geopolitical news and things like that. And that's when the market becomes disconcerting. I think when there's a disconnect between fundamentals and maybe things that are going on that uh, one day they move the market higher and the next day they move it lower. As we look forward, obviously it's still a ways away, but as we look forward to a next earnings season, are we expecting right now things are in general pretty good as far as sales, the economy getting back to it, people actually outspending money again? No, absolutely. You know, we're going to see some pretty crazy numbers coming out of the you know sales and earnings front. But remember, we're anniversary against the the depth of the COVID. Uh, you know, I, I guess positively as we look forward to beyond this quarter. You know, the anecdotal evidence that we see is some of these supply chain constraints are loosening up. So we think that bodes well for the third and fourth quarter and beyond. So uh, you know, there's some good news coming out of earnings and sales for the next few quarters at least. Help us with crypto. Uh, we did a story earlier in the week about young people. I mean, they're, they're so much of their investing is in crypto, looking to kind of have the big move and make a lot of money. Uh, and yet you want to talk about volatility. It's all over the place. Well, you know, it's down. It's 50% off its high. You know, it, it, it's a tough one for us. Like we say, we focus more on fundamentals and intrinsic value, and cryptocurrency doesn't have one. It's really more this, you know, country club set of people that has an idea about what a currency is, and then you have speculators, you know, around the edges that drive the price up and down. You know, we think more people, or the attention really should be paid if you're going to pay, you know, pay attention to M2, the money supply. You know, we look at... Uh, the growth in the money supply since you know the end of 2019, the M2 is up 33%, and so is the market, in spite of the fact that uh, earnings are down and dividends are down over that period. So people are wondering where inflation is and when it's coming. We would argue that you know it, it's here, you know, it, it, but it's only in financial assets, not in real assets. So cryptos are an interesting side game for us right now. They're becoming more important. Obviously, I think the market cap or market value of cryptocurrency is right around a quarter of a trillion dollars, but. It's not the main game, for sure. Yeah, all right. Thanks so much. David Brady, president of Brady Investment Council in Normal. 
Just ahead, we have a double dose of Personal Finance Wednesday, beginning with when should you take Social Security? You take it right away or do you wait a while? You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by Mesero Wealth Management. There are options involving when you begin collecting Social Security benefits. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group. You can find him online at at EngageWealthGroup.com. Uh, and help us to understand it here. You, you really have two options. You take it right away or you wait a while, right? Well, this is one of the more challenging conversations I have with clients because Social Security creates a lot of angst on whether to take it early, on time, or later. And having a good financial plan in place to sort of, you know, have that roadmap in terms of when to take it is critically important because taking benefits basically are, is an irrevocable decision. Yeah, right. You don't. You can't go back on it. Uh, so when we talk about pros and cons of either option, uh, what are they? Well, one of the big pros of delaying your retirement benefits is that you get to enjoy an 8% increase per year in benefits. And these are benefits over your lifetime that, don't forget, are, are helped and compounded by those cost of living increases that you get with Social Security. Conversely, if you take your benefits early before your full retirement age, you can have a 25 to 35% permanent reduction in your benefits. So again, be very cautious on when you need to take these Social Security benefits. So if you wait, you can make a lot more. Uh, are there any advantages to going ahead and just taking it right away? Well, there are some people who what I'll call over the past year have been unintended retirees who were planning on delaying Social Security but took it early. Because your listeners have to remember that Social Security is anti-poverty insurance. It's not a replacement for savings or a pension, and that's why it was put in place after the Depression, just to help seniors not fall into poverty. And that's one of the things is, is people think about it. They need to understand really what it's about, as you're saying, anti-poverty insurance, because there are people who plan on that as their retirement. It it's just not enough to retire on. And that's exactly it. So Social Security represents somewhere between 25 and 35 percent of people's income in retirement. And so, again, when you're looking at what Social Security means, to, to as kind of we alluded to, that's there as a base. It's there to just keep you from falling into object poverty, which it's done a very good job at. But ultimately, again, especially for couples, you have to really be cognizant of when you take those benefits, because men's demographic, we tend to die before, before potentially our spouses. And by taking that reduction, that, that early benefit can permanently reduce the benefit not only for you, but a spouse who may outlive you. Well, you, okay, so you brought up death. You, you, you brought it up so I don't have to. Thank you so much, Ed. <laughs> we don't know when we're going to die, and I think that's one of the, one of the things that, that has some people say, no, I want to take those benefits right away because with my luck, I'll die at age 67 and I won't get any money. Yeah, the two things you want to kind of avoid is taking Social Security early because you're worried about the trust fund running out of money. That's number one. And number two, we forget and, and we tend to underestimate how long we're going to live. Don't forget when Social Security was put in place, the average age ex life expectancy for a man was around 58 for, for men and 62, uh, sorry, 58 for men, 62 for women. Today, it's 76 for men and 82 for women. And don't forget, that's the average. So don't underestimate how you're going to live because those benefits can really play an important part further down the road. So if your benefits increase by 8% each year uh, until you're 70, do you wait until 70 to take it? I mean, if you're, if you're okay financially, otherwise... 
Yeah, absolutely. If you have an ability financially to wait till age 70, there's no reason, obviously, to wait beyond age 70. But at age 70, definitely, you can you can wait. If you can wait for that, that's great. But as I mentioned, especially with some of the economic challenges we've had over the past year, if you're an unintended retiree and and there's really no way to fill that gap again, that's why Social Security is there. But just you know, reaching out to a certified financial planner, putting up, getting a plan in place to understand what the benefits are and how it works with your entire financial plan is critically important in terms of making a decision on when to get when you're going to get benefits. Thanks for all the advice. That's Ed Jertson, certified financial planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Questions are being raised about the standard thinking when it comes to the Roth IRA, the second dose of Personal Finance Wednesday. We welcome Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. I'm getting a little nervous here, Mark, about what you may say here. What should we think about the Roth? Well, there has been a renewed interest in the Roth uh, conversion. That's where you take uh, money that's in your traditional IRA or 401k, pay tax on it now, and then put it into a Roth equivalent, which is uh, one that uh, all the money then can compound tax-free, and you can take the money out in retirement and never have to pay tax on it. And uh, the standard wisdom on it is that that's a good idea if you think tax rates will be higher in the future than they are now. So far, that seems quite simple. And in fact, the reason there's so much additional interest right now is that because uh, President Biden is looking at ways to pay for his infrastructure plan, people expect tax rates to go higher. Turns out, as always, when we start looking at these things, this isn't a big surprise, things are far more complicated than they they otherwise seem. And that's what I've written a couple of recent columns about, but I'll just mention one of them. And that is that even though tax rates may very well be higher in the future, in our retirement, our tax will nevertheless be lower. We're not going to be earning as much in retirement. After all, in fact, we probably won't even be working and living off of Social Security and uh, any required minimum distributions from our pension and so forth. So even if the tax schedules themselves go up, our tax rates are likely to be lower, and all of a sudden, the standard wisdom no longer applies. So uh, you're not necessarily going to save on taxes. Uh, is a benefit of the Roth that you just don't have to worry about it in retirement? I mean, for example, you know, if something goes, you know, you need a new roof or something like that, you need to take something big out of a traditional IRA or, or 401k, you got that tax hit. Is that still a benefit to the Roth? It is potentially. And indeed, I think the point of uh, the analysis that I, I try to review in my column is that the only way to answer for sure is to actually run the numbers. And uh, I give a link actually to a spreadsheet where a, a retired professor, a guy named Edward Macquarie, has done an enormous amount of work trying to construct this spreadsheet. And it's amazing how many variables go into it. You also need to look at the time value of money, just to mention another complicating factor, even though you may look like on paper you're saving money, but in fact, you're saving dollars down the road relative to dollars you've spent today. And it turns out, depending on your inflation assumption, for example, it can uh, it can throw the conclusion just in the opposite direction. It, it, this is a very unsexy sort of conclusion. It's basically <laughs> to say that things are far more complicated and you can't really figure this out from first principles. You actually have to run the numbers. Yeah, but then it just ends up uh, with people sort of going like, hey, so how should I invest? Oh, I don't know. Just pick one. I mean, that's it's sort of <laughs> what it almost ends up being in some respects. Well, actually, I think that's a fair conclusion. It turns out that Macquarie's conclusion after years of research into this is that even though Roths sometimes do come out ahead, in fact, in some cases, more than some, in fact, a majority of cases, if you live 
long enough, a Roth conversion will come out ahead. It turns out it takes many, many years for it to come out ahead. And when it does, it's a relatively small advantage. So it turns out there may be far more important things for us to be worried about than whether we should take a Roth conversion. Yeah, fascinating. Always good to see data. Thank you, Mark Hulbert. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.